day of the Midian's defeat, you, you have shattered the yoke that burns them, the bar across their soldiers, the rod of, of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood. You will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his soldiers, shoulders. He, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Pixar movies are notorious for something called Easter eggs. Have you heard of these? It is where there's sort of a hidden reference uh, to another Pixar movie within the current movie. Uh, Like in Finding Nemo, there's a Buzz Lightyear toy in the uh, toy play area in the dentist's office. Or another example would be you see a kid who's wearing a Lightning McQueen shirt in Toy Story 3. The reason I mention that is the book of Isaiah is the exact same way. That, that it's just filled with these cross-references to the Messiah. 125 prophecies about Jesus, the anointed one. And so today we're going to zero in on one of these Easter eggs uh, from Isaiah chapter 9. It's a description that's given about Jesus, and it happens 700 years before his birth. It's that he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. This morning, as we talk about that, I want to share that the peace that Jesus gives us then is threefold. It's upward, peace with God. It's inward, peace within our hearts. And it's outward, peace with one another. And so we are in week two of our Christmas series that we are calling The Gospel According to Isaiah. This is an amazing book of prophecy. As I said, it's filled with these these, uh, references to Jesus, some subtle and some not so subtle, 700 years before the Messiah. And Messiah is a title, and it means anointed one. So Isaiah is prophesying to the people of God, and he's encouraging them because their world is very dark. Their world is very difficult. They have enemies that are surrounding them, but he's encouraging them. He's saying, God has selected someone, the anointed one, the Messiah, and he's going to come to deliver you. Now, you might remember that one of the nation's biggest concerns, this is a prophecy to the southern kingdom of Judah, one of their biggest concerns was the northern kingdom of Israel. Their brothers, these ten tribes who had gone off to the north, and that they were actually allying themselves with the surrounding enemies, and then threatening to attack Judah. And so it's right in the midst of this impending threat that Isaiah gives, oh, just all sorts of glorious promises to his people. So grab your Bible this morning, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We focused last weekend on verses 1, 2, and 3, when we learned that Jesus lights the way for those living in darkness. And this morning, we're going to key in on verses 4 through 7. This is where uh, our friend just read for us a moment ago, the Troyer family who did our uh, candle lighting and scripture reading. So we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 4. 
that says, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. See, Isaiah recognizes that his people have become burdened by the looming war with their brothers to the north. He calls it this yoke that burdens. And, of course, he references the defeat of Midian. They, they all remember that well. This was under the leadership of Gideon. You can read about it in Judges chapter 6, by the way. In a nutshell, the Midianites had oppressed God's people for seven years, seven long years, and the oppression was great. And so God's people were weary, and they were tired. They just never knew when bands of Midianites might come raiding through their land. They would destroy their crops. They would attack harm, kill, maim their people. But then God raised up Gideon, and he was able to defeat the Midianites. He then set up an altar, and he made this declaration, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. The Hebrew there is Yahweh, that is the Lord, shalom. Yahweh Shalom. He set up an altar calling it that. And then what happened for the land was they entered into a time of peace on all sides. A time where they could rest. A time where they could flourish. A time where they could be reconciled to the Lord. That period lasted for 40 years. And so the people remember that season They're thankful for Gideon and the way God used him and for the the declaration that the Lord is peace and they knew a time of peace. And so Isaiah is drawing on that story to say it's going to be like that again because there's another leader coming and he's even greater than Gideon and the peace is going to endure more than just 40 years. The Messiah is going to come. So this is what Isaiah is prophesying. He he says that, that heavy yoke just like the Midianites had on you, just like you now have based on the people of Israel and north and surrounding enemies, it's going to be shattered. And so we are reminded today, of course, we read the Old Testament through the lens of the new. Jesus' words in Matthew 11 where he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so the prophecy here and the promise to the people of God from Isaiah is that it's not a time for war, it's a time for peace. It's not a time for violence and chaos. And so if we keep reading there in verse 5, we're in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be fuel for the fire. He says, these instruments of war are no longer going to be needed because of the peace that will come about. It's going to be like in the time of Gideon when you learned that great lesson of Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. And why is that? Why will they know great peace? Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And it'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it. with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And he says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I want to point something out this morning, and that is how amazing it is that in this prophecy, particularly in verse 6, that it contains both the humanity and the divinity of Christ. So look closely there at verse 6. 
For to us a child is born. This describes his humanity. Jesus was indeed born as an infant, as a human, as a child. To us a son is given. This describes his divinity. Jesus is the son of God. And we know from John 3.16 that God gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, because he so loved the world, whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. So, so notice here, the son isn't born. No, it's the child that's born. Why? Because the son has always existed. The son was given as part of God's plan of salvation. It was the child that was born. It was the son that was given. The Messiah would indeed be fully God and fully man. The child birthed in Bethlehem is also the eternal son given to us that we might believe in him. And the government would be on his shoulders. This baby bundled in the straw is the one who holds the very universe together. The one held by the hands of Mary is the one who holds the whole world in his own hands. He is redeemer. He is ruler of all. So this message about an infant being the ruler of the cosmos, in charge of all, it's a little confusing. It's a little strange. It makes me think of the story I heard about the man who sent a cryptic Christmas card. His friend got it. It had just one word on it. It was the word happy. And then it contained most of the letters of the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. The recipient is just mulling over this strange Christmas card. Some of you have heard this before. (laughs) And finally he gives up. It takes him several weeks. He finally gives up and goes, okay, I don't get it. Like, what's the... What's the explanation of your Christmas card? And his friend says, it says, happy Noel. (laughs) It's just that we think of the big, strong, capable, grown-up as the one who can carry the responsibility on their shoulders. And in the Christmas story, we have an infant. And the government rests on his. It's because he is indeed the only one chosen for that task. That that even from his first moments of life, it was proclaimed, it was understood that he would be the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the Christ. It says he's the wonderful counselor in this prophecy. That just does my heart good. I don't know about you, but, but this morning I need to hear that good news because life is filled with decisions. Every day, happening quickly. Paths, choices, options, on, on the, on the moment decision making or long-term planning that needs to happen. And I am so thankful that in Christ I have a wonderful counselor who never steers me wrong. He is our wonderful counselor. David wrote these words in Psalm 16, 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. However, I want to issue a word of warning here as well. Just as much as I need to hear that encouragement, and I pray that also warms your heart, I want to warn us that Christ is not just someone who makes suggestions. That that it's not that you can come to the words of Scripture or the person of Jesus and just pick and choose. Like, well, that seems like it's going to benefit me, so I'll do that. 
that seems like good advice, so I'll take it. But, but that he actually calls us to self-denial and radical obedience to him. So when he's wonderful counselor, it's not, well, he makes some good suggestions. It's, will I follow where he leads? Otherwise, I'm walking in disobedience. The scriptures are not for you and I to just follow when we choose or when it makes sense or when it's appealing or when there's an obvious benefit to us. Oh, but there is a benefit to following Jesus, isn't there? Is there anyone here who who could testify to the blessings and the goodness of walking with the Lord? Amen. There is a benefit and a blessing of walking in radical obedience where he directs us. He's the Prince of Peace. This is what we're talking about this morning. When you're in right standing with him, you have peace. You know peace. A peace that is upward, a peace that is inward, a peace that is outward. He's the mighty God, Isaiah says. And we just think about the life and ministry of Jesus. That we, we see it in the Gospels in the New Testament. That he, he lived this way. He ministered this way where he, he gave sight to those who were blind. He, he, he gave the ability to walk to those who were lame. He healed those who were sick. He calmed the storm. He brought Lazarus back from the grave. Like He is indeed mighty. He is able And what that means is that he can do the impossible in your life. That if you allow him to fight your battles, you will be victorious. Because he is the mighty God. He's also everlasting father and prince of peace. Which is really kind of where we're zeroing in this morning. And so I want to just head this off at the pass before we go any farther. And I declare, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and, you, and, and some of you are sitting there going, yeah, 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 yeah. All that peace on earth, goodwill toward men stuff. And I hear it once a year around Christmas time, and it's all nice and fluffy and cute. But how could it be? If I had one wish, what would it be? World peace. Ah, that's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. Like, like I, I, I want to just address that this morning before we go any farther. There's some of us sitting here go, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Like, it doesn't really make sense when you read the headlines. It, it doesn't really make sense when you take a look at our world and you don't have to look very far to see chaos, to see anxiety, to see strife and struggle, and hurting, and conflict, and turmoil. And so if God is the Prince of Peace, and God is Almighty, then why doesn't he just do something about it? Let's go to Luke chapter 2. This is, of course, the Christmas story. It tells about the birth of our Lord Jesus. And in verse 14... We have the heavenly choir who bursts into song. And I want to look there together to help us answer this particular question about if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, if he's the Almighty God, then why do we see conflict and struggling in the world? And here's what the angels sing. They sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. But it doesn't end there. No, they say, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That's the key. You you see, the peace that Christ offers is available to all. But it's only lived out in the experience of those who believe. 
those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who confess him as Lord, as Savior, those who surrender their lives to him. Those are the ones with whom God is pleased, by the way. It's not, it's not that we do good deeds and then God says, oh, you're a good person, I'm pleased with you. No, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews 11:6 11, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so it's in believing that we are able to please the Lord. So here's the reality, that most people don't know God. Most people don't have peace. Most people don't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's part of what makes this Christmas season so filled with good news. It's good news that in this event, this, this, uh, this birth of Jesus, that he comes into our desperation, into our chaos with the promise of peace. For those who believe. So I mentioned it before, but in the Old Testament, that is in the Hebrew, the word for peace is this word shalom. And really, it's more than just peace. It's this state of wholeness, harmony, and it was intended to resonate in all relationships. And so the Israelites used this word shalom as a greeting and as a blessing one to another. This was, I'm going to bless you by, call, by, by pronouncing shalom over you. I'm, I'm asking for the blessing of God in your life and the blessing of peace. And you just th- think back to, in context to a people harassed by their enemies, constantly struggling with yokes of oppression and people pressing in on all sides. Peace would have indeed been the premier blessing. And I just can't help but think that we long for that in our own lives today. That having peace might be the exact same. The premier blessing of our people today might be that you would have peace. Oh, sure, anyone can be peaceful when your life is in order. When you're sitting on the white sand beaches of some Caribbean island, you're sipping an umbrella drink. You go, ah, this is peaceful. But what about when your kid gets sick? What about when your brother dies at age 53? What about when you are in a job and it is very stressful and demanding and difficult and every day you're struggling? What about when that so-called friend of yours starts gossiping about you and spreading rumors and talking about you behind your back? Well, then it's a different story, isn't it? And that's the human experience. We get hurt by others. We struggle with life situations. But when Jesus is Lord of your life, he is the prince of peace, and you know the peace of God, and you experience it then, as I've said, in three ways, upward, inward, and outward. Let's spend the rest of our time together kind of exploring those together, shall we? This idea of peace with God being upward, peace with God. It's just simply impossible to have the peace of God without having peace with God. And so really it begins here, and there's no use in going any farther until we address this. That you're not going to know true peace. You're not going to have any experience of peace unless you have this upward peace with God. You've been reconciled with your maker, the almighty God, through his son Jesus Christ. It all starts here. 
Why? Because each and every one of us, because of our sin, has separated ourselves from this holy and loving God who made us, who knows us, who has made a way of salvation for each and every one of us. So our sin has separated us from him. And the Bible says that in this lost, sinful, desperate circumstance, this condition, we are enemies of God. Enemies of God. That it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that we are reconciled to him. So we read this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, once you were alienated from God, And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you. So let me encourage you today. Whether you've never called on the name of the Lord. Or whether you've been walking with him decade after decade after decade. That today is yet another opportunity for you. To humble yourself before the Lord. To draw near to him in sincere faith. Clinging to the Lord Jesus Christ. That today we can lay down our burdens. We can take up his yoke. We can find true and lasting peace. Why? Because we have peace with God. No longer enemies, but now friends. Sons and daughters. Why? Only Because of Jesus. The peace of God is also inward. That is when we have peace in our hearts and in our minds. Peace within. We all have things we worry about. Things that dominate our thinking. Disturb our thoughts. Antagonize our our mental health and mental well-being. We have this inner turmoil. You know, it's really interesting. I want to bring uh, some research to you this morning. That as we look in our nation, in the United States of America, between the year 1959 and 2016, the life expectancy steadily rose. That is to say, it actually gained about 10 years. So 1959 to 2016, it rose from 69 years as the average life expectancy to 78.9. So almost 79 years of age in 2016. But then it reversed course. It started dropping. In fact, the life expectancy in the U.S. went down for the next five consecutive years. It declined. Sort of inexplicably. And then, of course, it dropped significantly in the year 2020. It went down by a year and a half in the year 2020. Um. 2020 reached the same life expectancy levels in this nation as in 2003. So again, the causes behind it are sort of mysterious. And the shift happened in the five years even before COVID. So 2020, you could probably attribute some to that, uh, much to that, of course. But even before COVID... And if you begin to look at causes of death, you do see in those five years the rates of suicide skyrocketing. Drug overdoses. Liver failure. These sort of causes of death are summed up in the phrase death from despair. So that's our context. 
decade over decade. Medical advancements are helping us to live longer, to be happy and healthy. Right? That's the American dream, isn't it? Pursuing happiness. And yet, despite that, we reach the end of our happiness. And we experience death by despair. Drug overdoses, drinking ourselves to death, suicides. So as we come to Isaiah in this prophecy this morning, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that that when you follow him with your life, you know the peace of God in a real and tangible way that's then lived out in your experience. What good news. What good news that our world needs to hear. I said it last week, I'll say it again. The message of Christmas is one that our world needs to hear now more than ever. And again, the peace of God comes when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust him with our lives. We trust him then, as we're talking about this inward peace, we trust him with those situations that we face. So we don't freak out when the diagnosis is cancer. God's in control. We we don't panic. We don't curse God. We don't abandon him when death comes in our family unexpectedly. Or a broken relationship happens. For some strange reason, though, and maybe you guys can identify with me on this, I just tend to, I fall into thinking that I can run my life better than God can. Like, don't I know what's best for me? You know, I can, I can see what's going to be helpful to me, what's going to be pleasing to me. And maybe you can resonate with that, that, that temptation to be the one in control of your life. Like, like, I think I can run my life better than God can, and I have to constantly fight against that to say, oh, no, left on my own, I am broken. I'm, I'm going to end up like one of those statistics from that five-year span. I'm going to be in despair because I don't have the peace of Christ. And so it's when we turn over control of our lives to Jesus. We say, you're Lord, you're master, you're in charge. He gives us peace. Try to run your own life. Try to maintain control, and you will be robbed of peace. So Colossians 3.15 gives us this great encouragement. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Not strive after, not search after, not rove the world over trying to discover, but allow it, let it, because he wants to be Lord of your life, because he's made you for a relationship with himself. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Will I let God rule in my life today? And I need to ask myself that question tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So let me ask you the same question. Will you allow Christ to rule your life today? Will you give him control? Because if you're in charge, you're robbed of your peace. When the Prince of Peace is in charge, you will know the peace of God. So the peace of God impacts every area of our life. Our relationship with God upward, our, our inside, our well-being, our, our uh, peace within, it also affects our outward peace. 
relationships with others. So this is the, the aspect of uh, the peace of God that's outward, peace with one another. That, that when we know the peace of Christ, we walk in harmony with our brothers and sisters, with our friends and our neighbors. We, we are reconciled one to another, even when we've made mistakes and caused harm. We don't live with malice toward anyone. Like the guy who showed up, this was Christmas Eve, and he appeared before the judge. He was standing trial. And the judge was actually in a particularly good mood. It was the holiday time, and he says, what are you being charged with? The guy says, you won't believe this, but they're actually charging me with doing my Christmas shopping early. He says, what? That's no crime. How early were you doing it? And he says, well, before the store opened. It's just amazing how broken relationships impact our spiritual health. Like when your relationships stink, your life stinks, to put it very bluntly and crassly. You, you have no peace. And so here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's very simple. Okay, if this is possible, you do as much as you can. You don't say, ah, oh, that person will never sit down and talk with me. Ask them. Invite them. Make a way as far as it depends on you. No, you can't make someone else be at peace with you. And sometimes you have a broken relationship because the other person has chosen that course. But you can do the right thing. You can extend the olive branch as far as it depends on you. You have made a way. You have positioned yourself that there would be peace. So let me ask us again, is peace on earth possible? Yes. Yes, 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 a thousand times yes. Peace on earth is possible for those who believe. So you don't have to look at the unbelieving world and the brokenness of the globe over and say, well, that must not be true. Jesus isn't the Prince of Peace. He can't be Almighty God and Prince of Peace because the world is broken. No. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, when the angels proclaim the goodness and glory of God and that peace has come to earth, it specifically says, for those with whom God is pleased. And so we now have a better understanding. Is peace on earth possible? Of course it's possible. Yes, yes, a thousand times, yes, it's possible. It's possible to have peace on earth in a way that's upward, peace with God, in a way that's inward, peace in our hearts and minds, and in a way that's outward, peace with one another. Why? Because of Jesus. And only because of Jesus. I think this is probably the greatest encouragement I can give this Christmas season. I can declare to each and every one of us that we can have peace. That we can have true and lasting peace. Will we give our fear and our anxiety and our worry and our struggle and our conflict and our brokenness to Christ? Will we allow him into the middle of our mess? You know, I think I said that last Sunday, didn't I? That, that Christmas could probably just as easily be called Christmas because it's this Savior, this Messiah coming right into the middle of our mess, Christ coming in the midst of our chaos. Will we allow him to come into our mess, to give him control of our lives, to allow him to bring calm to our chaos, to even give him our wounded hearts where others have hurt us? Because if we don't, we're going to become bitter, we're going to become angry and sour. 
We probably all have relationships with others that have been severed, that are painful. We give those wounds to the Prince of Peace. We go back to Romans chapter 12 and say, have I done as far as possible, as far as it depends on me, positioned myself for peace and for reconciliation. Our prayer team is going to be available today. Right here after the service up in the front, if you want to come and pray, bring your burdens, bring the things that are weighing you down, bring, bring broken relationships. You can come this morning and say, I've just got an unspoken request. I'm just asking prayer. We just love to pray for you, to bless you with that blessing they gave back in the olden times of shalom, the peace of God, that you would know it, that you would experience it, that you would live it. So Jesus brings peace, my friends. He brings peace on earth. It's for those who trust him. Peace has entered into our chaotic world. He brings hope into our struggle. He brings calm into our chaos. Anyone else love the Christmas special, Charlie Brown's Christmas? It has aired on television consecutively for over 50 years. It's great. (laughs) And even though there are like schools and community groups who will perform it live and then they've sort of uh, altered it and whitewashed it, they remove all religious references. The one that has aired on TV, the original 1965 cartoon, has remained unchanged. And you probably, if you're familiar with that, you probably know that dramatic scene where Linus goes on the stage to explain the real meaning of Christmas, and he recites Luke chapter 2, the good news of the gospel, the, the birth of Jesus. But I think maybe there's a detail that you've missed in that. At least I've, I had always missed it until just recently I noticed. Now, if you know anything about Charlie Brown, if you know anything about the Peanuts gang, you know Linus never goes anywhere without his security blanket. That's his thing. That's his trademark. And, and so throughout the stories in the comic, the characters, Lucy and Snoopy and Sally and the others, they're always trying to separate Linus from his blanket. And even though it remains this major source of ridicule for the otherwise mature and thoughtful Linus, he simply refuses to give it up until the moment that he's reciting the good news, the real meaning of Christmas, what Christmas is all about. He drops his blanket. He's reciting the story, and it's just as he delivers the words, fear not, little Linus drops his blanket. So maybe the next time you watch Charlie Brown's Christmas, look look for it. It's so simple and subtle, but I think it is a powerful display of how the birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. That the birth of Jesus frees us from those habits that we are unwilling or unable to break ourselves. That the birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop all of the false securities that we've been clinging to. That we would learn to trust in him only. Cling to Jesus, the Messiah. So it's soon going to be 2022. And I'll admit the world can seem like a very scary place. I think most of us probably find ourselves sort of grasping something for security. Something that makes sense, something that's familiar, something that will comfort, something that will help. And right now, we just we live in a world where it's really difficult to fear not. But it's in the midst of our own fear and our own insecurity that we can seek 
true peace, true security in the one place that it's always been available, in the one place that it can always be found in Jesus. That we would indeed let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because he is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are so grateful today for the good news of Christmas. We are so grateful today for this amazing prophecy that to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And so Lord, thank you for your master plan that you saw us in our desperation and you sent a rescuer, the only one who could set us free. And so we put our trust in you today. We thank you for all you do. We pray for this message to go out this Christmas season in a world that's so desperate for good news that we would hear and respond in sincere faith, trusting you and experiencing that peace of God upward, inward, and outward for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.